are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony again with the Pharmacy IT Me podcast, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Um, on today's episode, we're joined by a clinical pharmacist in a managed care company, Justin Bioak, and hopefully I pronounced that right. But uh, today it's a little bit different because we are not speaking with a pharmacist in informatics, but more of someone that is heavily involved in uh, ensuring that the technology pieces are in place for the workflows. So how are you doing today? Thanks, Tony. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, of course. And um, I guess like before we get into like some of the questions I wanted to ask you about, like your involvement with like healthcare technology and you know informatics and data and things like that, like can you tell the listeners a little bit more about like uh, yourself and you know uh, your history of like getting into pharmacy and you know your your story pretty much. Yeah. Well, so right now I'm head of clinical pharmacy at a managed care organization, uh, Devoted Health, where Medicare Advantage prescription drug plan uh, servicing multiple states throughout the nation. Um, we started out, I started there in 2018, and we've been in operation since then. I guess kind of kind of what I do now is a little bit of everything. So utilization management, uh, disease management, care programs for medication adherence, medication therapy management, um, formulary strategy, uh, clinical oversight of our PBM. And so I, I've been doing this for a, quite a bit of time. Before I landed uh, at Devoted, I was still, I was also in managed care doing utilization management at a local regional plan in the Northeast um, in Massachusetts. And then before that, I was actually in community retail practice. Um, so I operated kind of like four independent pharmacies uh, located in federally qualified health centers and in community hospitals, you know, doing the bench work. So dispensing, talking to patients, counseling, but also trying to build clinical programs. Um, I remember at the time when I graduated from pharmacy school, I was like, oh, I, I really want to change the way pharmacists practice. That was like the thing that I was really passionate about and that had, you know, I need to get into policy or do administration. But here I was already like working in a pharmacy that was well poised to do a lot of these things. We tried to build bedside delivery programs and counseling for post-discharge care. Uh, we tried to implement point of care testing. Um, we ended up doing medication delivery. But, you know, unfortunately, there weren't a lot of payment models for these things. And that's kind of what, what pushed me into managed care uh, as a way to, you know, build the payment infrastructure for pharmacist services. And so that, that was all really the foray that got me into managed care and eventually into managed care with a technology backing at Devoted. <laughs> Wow, that's that's a lot of things that you just talked about. So, so when you were in pharmacy school, did you kind of like even have did you did you think that managed care would be something you would get into at the time? No, when I was I was I was progressing through pharmacy school, I actually only had really two things in mind. One was being a super clinician, and at the time, like the, my idea of a super clinician was a cl critical care. Um, I actually published a paper in critical care. I went to the International Critical Care Congress in San Francisco uh, in my last year of pharmacy school. Um, I was also kind of like being groomed to be an academic. So I, I thought like research was really cool. I thought being a professor was really cool. I took a, a special course uh, that was like an intro to academia. And that that sounded like really awesome to me. Um, and actually, I was pursuing residency at the time. 
Uh, I was going specifically for two-year administrative pharmacy residencies that also had like a graduate school component around either an MBA or uh, health systems administration or management component. Um, but I ended up not matching for residency. I actually failed at matching residency pretty horribly. <laughs> it's okay. I did too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but look where we are now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I think like that's one of the things that isn't really talked about much uh, with, with students is that, you know, there are avenues that are outside of residency. If you if you apply to residency and you get it, that's that's amazing. Like that's a great route. But if you don't, you know, there's still other routes to get to where you want to be. Yeah, I had I had a great time applying for residency. I will say that. Like I went to ACHP, I did the whole PPS thing, I went to the residency showcase, uh, you know, I got to meet some pretty incredible people. But at the end of the day, I think it actually worked out in my favor because, you know, where I am today, I couldn't even imagine working for a large health system doing pharmacy administration. Like it, it's probably it probably would have not been the best fit for me anyways. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. I mean, like now that you're working in the, this kind of role, you get to look back about like your skill sets and how it would apply. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so in your roles before too, like uh, since we do talk talk about technology on this podcast, like your previous roles as a uh, manager of operations in like the community side, did you see a lot of like technology aspects that you had to uh, be familiar with when you're working that work in that role? Yeah. I mean, I was an operator, right? So operations was my thing. Being a clinical pharmacist was my thing in the community setting, um, but I was pretty scrappy at the time, and so I often was rolled into implementations for different things, including new technology. So, you know, I was the person that was there implementing new pharmacy software. Um, we got an automated dispensing robot. Uh, I was part of that implementation, and you know, I was like kind of the person that was the liaison at the time between us and that technology company. Um, I was the one that kind of helped help them make sense of the 340B inventory piece, uh, where you, you we basically had two inventories to track and how we needed to report that to the federally qualified health center. Um, yeah, so a lot of like translating between what the technology could do, what is it that were the different needs of the different stakeholders, whether it be the pharmacy operators like me or the clinical clinical folks that were talking to patients or the federally qualified health center that we were partnering with to administer the 340B program. So at the time, did you work with anybody that was an informatics pharmacist or was that just, you know, you doing all of that? Yeah, this is just us figuring it out uh, step by step, <laughs> making, you know, the mistakes that you can probably think of, you know, like uh, having the right or wrong blocks or you're kind of like not using the right kind of gears or, uh, you know, like, there was a lot of calling the help desk. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it's uh it's interesting to hear that because like I think like nowadays, it's not too much different. Like I still hear people where they're at institutions where they don't have an informatics person, so it is still an operations type of person like yourself that did work with that. Uh, there are also places that do have informatics pharmacists that are focused on implementation of three forty B products like. Uh, like virtual inventories and things like that, like mm -hmm. like what you've did. So was it like a virtual inventory system or did you actually physically have to keep separate stock? It was like a mix of both. You know, we, we did have physical stocks of the medications, but, you know, like, when you're when you have a transient population that serves mostly Medicaid, you never know what you're really going to get 
day to day, right? You know, like one day you have a bunch of people who are mostly on chronic meds, and then the next day you have a bunch of people who are on acute meds, and you may not have those in stock. And so you can borrow from your other physical inventory. And now you have this like virtual deficit that you have to reconcile with your ordering system. Um, and so that's where you get kind of the mix of the two. Like, yes, you have a physical inventory, but then you also need this virtual reconciliation between the two if you're going to, you know, borrow the physical drugs from each of the each of the inventories. Oh, okay. Okay. So you did have a hybrid system. Mm-hmm. So so then for you, right? Um, this is more of like a question on skill set. And um I know that you have a role in managing a, diff- a lot of different projects. And I guess, did you take any formal training on doing project management? Or was that kind of like you learned as you went uh, with the different things that you were assigned? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Like, I, I actually reflect on this a lot. And I try to understand like, what, it is, what is it about that makes you successful as a, you know, a project or product manager or, you know, stakeholder management, whatever. Um, and really, it's about communicating with people. And I didn't really get formal training, you know, in a classroom about communications or project management or stakeholder management or, you know, how to how to figure out what people want and stuff. I actually attribute a lot of my success to being a dance teacher. <laughs> so back in the day, I was a professional ballroom dancer. Um, and part part of that gig was uh, being a specialist. So I, I brought in new students were brought to me and I would teach them kind of like the basics of dancing, right? Um, and with that comes a certain skill set on understanding people. You know, I had to build rapport with people very quickly, understand what their goals were with dancing. You know, sometimes it's, I just want to learn how to dance for my wedding. But sometimes it's like, you get people who want to be more confident, or they want to be a little bit, they, they want to ease into social situations. And that's a little bit more of a, a difficult problem to solve. But really what it is, is I'd have to stand there get the people in front of me, actively listen to what they're saying to me and and be able to react in the right way. Um, And so I think what I'm unconsciously doing now is having to have struggled doing that before I went to pharmacy school. Um, I was was doing that while I was in high school, actually. Uh, I've kind of subconsciously taken that and like added it to my own feedback loop of improving my skill of understanding where people are coming from, what their needs are, um, what it is that I need to do to react to what they want. Um, is there a place where we can, you know, both meet so that we're both dancing at the same tempo? You know, I I, I really attribute a lot of that to my experiences dancing. <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's really interesting you say that. And I don't know if that's also why, like, I feel like I have a good communication in my role because I also, I used to teach piano. So I'm wondering (laughs) if this whole like musical teaching thing is related to all of that. So um, that's, that's a cool, that's a cool experience that you've had. And, and, you know, I, I ask about that because, you know, project management isn't just limited to um, your role, which is uh, in the the clinical pharmacy side and um, at the Voda Health, but it is uh, something that I feel that a lot of informatics pharmacists should be aware of, or um, if they're not getting any formal training, at least be aware of how to do some basic project management. Because in, in informatics, that's that's a lot of what we do, many projects. So um, so yeah, uh, I I'm, I'm glad that you kind of shared that about like your role, um, and in your current role actually, we did talk about this before we did the recording, but uh, you just recently hired an individual for uh, data an- analytics, right? For your your company. 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, be, before we started having kind of like data analytics specific to a function, we had a central data science team with like really smart people. But as you can imagine, when you have a small group of really smart people, uh, a lot of people have requests for them. Uh, and so you don't always get the stuff that you need. Um, and so now we've invested kind of in not only having that pillar of data science, but also having kind of like an individual person to help with unique needs related to each of the teams. Um, and so that's why now we have a data analyst because there are a lot of data needs specifically for pharmacy, um, both internally and also for the rest of the organization, whether it's understanding drug spend or drug trend, um, or if there are uh, connections that, you know, some of our provider partners want to learn about how drugs are affecting their patient population. Um, so, so much data to crunch and only so many resources to go around. Yeah, so uh, can you give like some more, I, I guess, like expansive examples? Because, uh, you know, like, it's it's one thing to kind of hear like, okay, you do need to have all these data requests in, but what is like, exactly like a company like Devoted Health uh, would be using that data for? And I guess like on a pharmacy end, how does that make it where it justifies you to have a dedicated pharmacy data analyst person uh, versus just like the general queue from everybody else that, you know, they're just working through for the whole company? Yeah, so here's like one way to think about it. Uh, like, there's a ton of clinical programs happening, right? There may be a medication adherence program, there might be chronic disease management programs, there might be intensive case management programs. And all of those folks are going to have some kind of need uh, for, for data analytics, right? Like, is my program effective? Does my program have the reach that I intended it to? Um, what does productivity look like? Where can we make the most impact from a process perspective, right? Like what process takes the least lift but has the most give? Um, and so like all of those questions are things that team data can answer, right? Unfortunately, the one that's going to get prioritized is going to be the one that like means most to the corporation. And uh, that's what's going to take priority for team data. But that doesn't really help you or your folks that much. Um, and so, you know, there might be peripheral asks of your team that you need just to like help bolster kind of the overall data picture. And that's what really dedicated analytics is for. Like maybe at the corporate level, we understand that you know, with this program, we do a lot better, you know, like better quality ratings, we're able to save money on these particular things. Um, we understand that what outreach looks like. And then maybe what the analysts will look for is, you know, like, what are what are people wasting their time on? Is it are they dialing a whole bunch of numbers that are wrong? Are they spending, you know, one to two hours on the phone? Is there a way to cut that down? You know, which members are are most uh, most amenable to our interventions? Who's the right person to contact that member? Are there special superstars on your team that seem to have outsized return on their investment in terms of time? You know, I think those are very team-specific questions that you'll be asking um, that, are, that won't necessarily be prioritized uh, in the larger queue of things at, at the organization level. I see. I see. So yeah, that, that makes sense because then you need to have like those kind of specific things for your, um, your, your team. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of just repeating what you said, but it's specific to your team that is, uh, maybe a little bit out of alignment from, uh, the goals of the org, but then it's kind of like indirectly, you know, benefits the org, right? Right, right. Yeah, because there's, there's really analytics that are meant, I mean, analytics really just depends on the scope and the audience, right? Like, 
if there's a high power audience that needs certain metrics and those metrics have to be correct from a compliance or corporate governance perspective, like that really does take priority, right? Because that is telling you about the health of your business. You know, that's what's going to take priority for that centralized data science team or, or the folks who are really the experts of the, this, the, the science of the organization as a whole versus your your product-specific or team-specific analyst who's really to like really supposed to be that kind of level of intensity, but with your data. Because it's not the, the corporate goals and the corporate governance stuff, that's not going to answer all of the questions, right? Most of the time, particularly when we look at pharmacy, what do people care about in the pharmacy realm? They care about how much money they're spending on therapeutics, um, and they care about whether or not things work the way they're intended to work. You know, like, let's look at chronic care management, for example. Like, pharmacists are really expensive assets, right? Really expensive personnel, uh, more so than a nurse, more so than an LPN, more so than a medical assistant, even sometimes more than a, a nurse practitioner or a physician assistant. And so like that, that time is very valuable and understanding where that time is going and whether or not it's, it's effective. Like what's the cost per outreach to a member? What's the cost of each titration? What's the cost of each medication therapy management intervention? Those are things that are always top of mind when it comes to pharmacist-led interventions. And you know, that an analyst is like perfectly suited to answer that question. Yeah. So you did mention about, you know, pharmacists costing a lot more just in general, right? So my next question about that is, how do you justify the value of hiring a pharmacist to be the one being the data analyst versus um, a data analyst that doesn't have the pharmacy background? Yeah, pros and cons here, right? Like at the end of the day, uh, what it's going to take to be an analyst is the technical skills, not so much the context. Uh, but if speed is something that matters to you and and like understanding what's noise and what's not, then that's when context matters. And having a pharmacist look at pharmacy data means you have to do less explaining, right? But here's, here's a great example. If we're looking at trend data, right, and your top therapeutic class is, let's say, diabetes, for example, and like you're you're looking at a set of drugs, you know, the first question that always comes up is like, are there all are there cheaper alternatives? And so at that point, you have to pull in a clinician, particularly a pharmacist, to be like, no, there aren't really generic SGLT2 inhibitors. Uh, yeah, there's a generic DPP4 inhibitor, but it's probably not good for these particular kinds of patients. Yeah, that that patient's already failed metformin, metformin ER. That you know, I think they're going to have to go to insulin or brand product. That that you get with a pharmacist's base knowledge. You don't get that with like even the smartest data analyst without any pharmacy context. That just saves on cycle time, right? Like you don't have to iterate as as frequent. You don't have to iterate as many times, um, and you can maybe even iterate a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think like that's always a uh, the thing that people ask me about. Like, oh, why do you have to have an informatics pharmacist? Just like even just in, in general, right? About informatics pharmacists. Well, I mean, when I what I say is that either you have someone that has a high technical background that you have to keep working with back and forth, or you have someone that has some knowledge of both and it's just like kind of less less back and forth. Um. So so yeah. So actually, going back to that about like your perspective from a from a manager side. When you are working with a pharmacist that is also the data analyst, I guess like is there like um, a line that they don't cross in terms of clinical recommendations, or is there a kind of like you value the pharmacist knowledge when they are working as data analyst, but how far is that knowledge taken to 
like what is your expectation of how far their knowledge is when they're doing they're doing the data analyst roles yeah i don't know so i i think and this is maybe unsolicited advice but i think when people are looking for analysts or or even a data scientist i think the important thing to know is that like their context is their own and so they're an expert to that level of context and any good analyst or any good data scientist will be able to inform their their decision making and creating you know interpretations of data, but really open it up to everybody else to make the interpretations and inform their their analytic process. Um, and so like while my data is not, my my data analysts will also be a pharmacist and they'll be able to inject kind of like their pharmacist knowledge. I guess my expectation there is that like that that knowledge is helping to inform the analytics. There's probably other perspectives that you need to bring in uh, to help make the analytics tell the story it's meant to tell and not send you kind of down a path with a red herring. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because you, you sometimes don't, you know, you sometimes are given the data and uh, you don't really have the full picture of everything else that's going on, like the sourcing of that data and things like that. Yeah. And, and I, that's probably the earmark difference between, you know, someone who is really technically smart and someone that really knows you know, what the pitfalls are of data, you know, you're, you, you come in with a lot of knowledge, you can make a lot of moves on your own, but really it's generalizable. The generalizability of that data really comes from the perspective of the audience. And so you really have to get their opinions before you can say definitively that, you know, something is true or false based on the data. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. So, uh, so this next question I do have is a, a little bit more general. It's not specific to you know an informatics role or you know um, a managed care role, but uh, more like non traditional paths, right? So, uh, you have gone through a non traditional path, and you know you now work in managed care, and you also hire people maybe in data analytics. So, I guess like what kind of advice would you give people who are looking to kind of move into that kind of non traditional path? I can speak specifically to managed care. You know, managed care is what I would call a cognitive specialty. It's really about how you think and how you communicate with people. You you don't always do things, I guess, depending on what part of managed care you're in. I mean, managed care is huge. It's a very small world, but the scope is huge, right? There's one part of managed care, which is understanding the economics of healthcare. Uh, so like understanding Medicare huge topic. Understanding Medicaid, another huge topic that you can divide into the 50 states. Understanding commercial, which is basically like the wild, wild west. You can do whatever you want in the commercial space. Um, and then there's exchange, which is you know a subset of commercial plans. There's, there's a lot of admin work to do there that requires pharmacist level context uh, in how the healthcare system works and how drugs play into how we manage the cost of care. But then there's also like a very clinical facet of, of managed care, which is, you know, member facing activities, medication therapy management, disease management, chronic care, chronic care management, you know, you might even think of managed care as like ambulatory care in some in some settings. <clears throat> I would say like probably the best version of ambulatory care really comes from a managed care lens. Uh, and then there's uh, kind of like the hybrid, which is I think where probably I sit, which is part clinical, right? I have, I have my members that I really care for. I still participate in some patient interaction, but really like also directing the different pieces of, of, of the administrative arm, right? Like 
choosing the right formulary, helping to support the product, building out the right, informing the technology team to build the right types of technology, uh, building the right programs that really matter to our members and to, you know, overall healthcare quality, which is what really drives uh, bottom dollar value. Yeah, so much, so much there. And so when people ask me, like, how do I get in? Uh, one is like, like I said, it's a cognitive specialty, and it's really about whether or not people are willing to work with you. And so you have to make the relationships first, and also just tenacity. I got both of my roles in managed care because I was a little bit annoying um, about pursuit of the role. Uh, like I just kept applying, uh, I just kept reaching out. It's actually a funny story, like how I got into Devoted. I, I applied for one role. Uh, I didn't get it because I think it was it was already full, it was already filled. There's like a, a whole bunch of circumstances happened where it just we just couldn't connect. Um, and then every week after that, I just kept emailing and saying, "Hey, uh, we were supposed to have an interview. I know you got really busy, so I'm just looking to reschedule." Uh, and I did that for like six weeks straight. And then eventually, I was like, "I'm going to go," and that's when I got reeled back in. But even when I think about my team, you know, like a lot of people just have demonstrated competency in their field and they know how to communicate that value um, and that's how we spotted them that's also just really important from a managed care perspective that that's really awesome and i think like some of that um, aspects that you talked about can be applied to uh, people who are looking to get into like a, a technology role as well um so so i guess like uh if people you know you talk about like developing the relationships which is a good segue into something that you and dr beiju shah have worked on uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that as well yeah, I mean, we, so Beiju and I actually met during the COVID pandemic on Regina's Pharmacist Connect uh, community. And uh, we just kind of, we just were just chatting and all of a sudden we were like, you know, let's just have a happy hour. Let's jump on happy hour one day. And I was like, well, let's just invite everybody. And so out of that was born Pharmacist Happy Hour, which is literally a random get together of pharmacists from all over the place, I think even like internationally. And we just hang out uh, randomly for a few hours uh, on a Friday night. Um, and so if you're interested in joining us ever, like go to the Pharmacist Happy Hour LinkedIn page, sign up for our emails. We don't send out any spam. We only send out emails when we're about to have a happy hour. And that's really the, the best way to get a spot. Uh, we almost always sell out the first day in terms of spots and it's free. I, I say sell out, but you don't pay anything. Um, but, you know, we're just looking for a forum to hang out and connect. So come join us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, I can tell the listeners now it's really fun. It's really fun. And um, Justin and both, uh, both with Justin and Beiji do a really good job of like uh, getting the uh, people there engaged into uh, uh, networking and communicating with each other. Uh, I'm on there sometimes. Uh, many other, it, it's kind of funny, many other informatics type of pharmacists are on there too. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's always interesting. So if people who are listening want to connect, that's also another great way of connecting. So, so you know, if people had questions for you or, you know, specifically to manage care or maybe even if like Devoted Health is hiring any kind of uh, analytics or informatics type of roles, uh, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I might be a little slow on replying. I, I literally get over a thousand notifications a day on my computer. So I eventually get to all of them. Uh, so link, LinkedIn is a, is a great place to reach me. I'm not really on social media that much. So that's really the best place. Or uh, feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, my email is rph.jbioc at gmail.com. I, I check it semi-regularly. And then if you're part of AMCP, you can always reach out to me on there too. 
Awesome, awesome. So thank you for uh, sharing that. I'll put that in the show notes. But you know, to be respectful of your time, uh, I'd like to thank you again so much for you know just spending some time on the podcast today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Tony. And I hope this information is is helpful to other people. And uh, you know, you maybe we'll have a catch up discussion another day. <laughs> All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Slack group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy. CIT and me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal.